With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's the In the Dome Podcast. Podcast Remember podcast, us? Podcast. We have a podcast. Remember us? We still exist. We're not dead. We're not dead yet. I haven't yes. killed myself of the because the flames suck yet. I might have a noose in my desk, but it hasn't been used yet. It's only there for emergencies. It's only there if the Oilers make the playoffs and we don't. That's what it's used. It's that's what it's for. Dude, I was thinking about this on the way to work today. Yeah. Are they not going to make the playoffs? The Flames? No, no, the Oilers. Oh. Well, I mean, okay, let's look at Money Puck's playoff odds. Because okay, all things aside, they've had the easiest schedule. The like, Oilers. Let's be honest. They've had the easiest schedule. Currently, Money Puck has the Oilers at a seventy-seven percent chance to make the playoffs, third out of any team. The like, Flames. Because if you look at last night's game, look at our 50, odds. Fifty percent. Fifty percent chance. It's it's a coin flip that will make it. But if you look at last night's game, Edmonton. Okay, you can't even say Edmonton demolished Colorado. Connor and Leon did. Connor has three goals, three assists. Leon Drysaddle has five assists. I mean, Clefbon had three Those points, two so. won the game. They dominated the game. So, if even so, 80% of the time they can be effective yeah. at winning games, like, how are they going to miss the playoffs? Well, I think, they've, I think they've, they're probably going to make the, make the playoffs now. Don't you think? Even if they aren't... Well, they're not going to be this good for the rest of the season. But, I mean, like, you can't... Like, like they've banked already, what, 28 points? They have 13 wins, right? They're third in the league. Yeah, like, unless they go on a real bad run. But then again, like, how many points ahead of us? I guess. So here's now, how, here's how the, the... We've played the same amount of games now. Here's how the West shakes down right now. In the Pacific, got the Oilers in first, but they're, they're only five points ahead of us. So the gap, yeah, isn't, a, the gap yeah. isn't that huge, but it kind of is when you consider the league it's, is... It's kind of weird because... So much parity. Teams are getting points every single night, so... There is so much parity. If you look at, like, outside of a couple teams near the bottom of the yeah. standings, everybody's in the playoff race still. Well, money. The only team Money Puck has as below. Well, there's a few, but like, Detroit is nine percent. Ottawa's fourteen percent. Those are like the two only two below twenty percent. But I mean, like, everybody else is above twenty percent. Doesn't sound like a lot, but. I mean, the Flames are in the realm of the Sharks and the Florida Panthers and the Philadelphia Flyers. And again, these are just odds, so it's not like gospel, but gives you an indication. And I mean, like, some. I, I hope at the end of the season it'll be interesting to see because I feel like this season has been, like, everybody's good. Like, like the margin, the, the, the margin of, not for error, but the, the, the margin of whatever, what is the saying? The margin between teams is so low. The like line, the flame the line of demarcation. Yeah, the flames I, I, sucked for the most part this year. Well, I don't think it's everybody's good. Everybody's okay. Right. You have a few teams. Yeah. Like Washington, they're good. St. Louis, they're good. Apparently the Islanders too. But then you have like almost twenty teams. Well, I mean, even St. Louis, like that are that have struggled. They have but they're in good positions. Like so here's how the Pacific looks right now. Oilers first, twenty eight points. 
Then there's drop-off to three other teams. Coyotes in second with 24 points. Canucks in third, 23 points. Flames in fourth, 23 points, but they have the most games played. And then like, Vegas. Like, I mean, Vegas has lost four straight. Like, what? And here comes San Jose. They got 19 points. And they've won five in a row. Like, it's shit's getting real. So, like, I think the Flames need, the Flames need to get their shit together, I think is the, is the bottom line here. Because if you have the Oilers banking points, I mean, we're what? We're, we're a quarter through the season. Quarter through the season. They're looking okay. I think I'm at a place now where I am concerned. I'm not quite concerned. Here, here's where I'm at. I'm at. You need to start winning, like now, like Re- right now. Well, here's the reason why I'm concerned. I think this is what we're going to be talking about today. What is wrong with this team? Yeah. Why aren't we winning more games than we are? And above and beyond that, why are we losing so many in the style that we are? It seems to be the same. Well, I said this the other night. It's like it looks like 2017, 2018, all over again. Does this not remind you so much of that second Glenn Gullison year? That's all I can think when I'm watching this team. It depends. Like, that's all I can think of. No, honestly, it doesn't. No? No. Why? Because with Glenn Gullison, they they played the same style every game, which was they peppered the other team with shots. They just weren't really high quality. They made it look like they were in games that they probably weren't. They were... Usually trailing, which is a similarity. We've been trailing so much, so often, it's ridiculous. But with the Glenn Gallatin team, they always kind of like made you think that they could come back, and they never did. Well, that's what I kind of see. Like, I I see look at the Dallas game. I see something totally different. Like they're trailing all the time. What do you see? What I see is that this team is taking a full period off on a nightly basis. Perhaps I didn't see that with Glenn Gallatin. Maybe they were just kind of mediocre through all three periods. So, and to me, it comes back to this whole identity thing. I feel like you can trace some of what's going wrong on the team back to poor management. Some. A lot. Because, and this is what, all right, I'm going to start with you. Let's do it. Tell me, what's wrong with this team? Um, What's wrong with this team? Our top line, what do you think? It's the exact same shit that went wrong in the playoffs. Our top line is not effective. It's getting shut down, and we don't have any secondary scoring. We have Matthew Kachuk and Andrew Mangipani generating chances. Backlund can't finish, and you have nothing else. Okay, great, That's it. great synopsis, but here's where I like to go. Okay. Why is that? Because are you going to go all Labardius and go slotting? No, I'm just curious. Take the first thing. The main thing is, is that the top line is not producing at the rate they were last year. Yeah. But why? I, I have no good answer for you. Because for me, I'm a problem solver. I need to know why. Because if you want to fix the problem and you identify what the problem is, now you have to go about how do you fix it. In order, I, in order to figure, in order to fix the top line problem, you got to figure out why. What? Well, why aren't they producing? I have no are, idea. Are teams playing them harder? Maybe a bit. Maybe a little bit. It's not. Are, are they having a slow start to the year? Yes. Maybe a bit. Are they playing more on the perimeter? Are they not working as hard? Are they not showing up? Is it them or is it the it seems other? To be is it the opposition? It seems to be more so them. Like when I watch Johnny Gaudreau play, it's like that's not Johnny Gaudreau from last year. Honestly, I'm going to go I'm gonna go a little more, I don't know what you would call it, non-factual, a little more intangible here. 
but where I where I saw something that kind of piqued my interest last mm-hmm. year was about the time that they started slumping last year. Right after the All Star break, the top line stopped producing at the rate they were. Big time, Lindholm included. Just, Lindholm just included. To be clear. And one thing that stood out to me during that time was obviously you're playing in a Canadian market, you're going to get asked about it. I feel like Johnny didn't appreciate getting asked about it. And I can specifically remember Jermaine Franklin. Who is the only guy who ever asks pertinent and important questions, it seems. He asked Bill Peters about it. And Bill Peters, yeah, you know, they've kind of, top line has, has kind of dried up a bit, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then shortly after that, he was interviewing Johnny Gaudreau and said, Johnny, your coach Bill thinks that you guys have gone stale. Even though Bill didn't didn't say that exactly. Jermaine, eh? Jermaine paraphrased a bit. He did what media does. He kind of told Johnny that Bill said something we didn't quite say. And I don't know, maybe I'm reading into it too much, but Johnny Gaudreau seemed to not like that. Then, and so I don't know, because if you look at a guy, I mean, it's the same thing in anywhere. You look at any organization... You got a human resource department. You got people in a workplace environment where so much of business is based on work performance. It's the same thing on a, on a sports team. Even more so. It's all about performance based. And you, in order to have peak performance in a workplace, you know what this is like. You got to have a reason. You, got, you have to feel motivated to want to do good work at the place you're working. And a lot of factors go into that. And one of them is you got to like who you're working for. So are you suggesting a coaching rift perhaps? I am. Because, and I feel like part of it is, let's be honest, Johnny Gaudreau is, is, is a little immature. You can see how he handles himself on the ice. How he handles himself with officials. You can see how he handles himself with the media. And I don't blame him. He's a young guy. He's got a lot of pressure. But he doesn't necessarily take a lot of ownership to the extent that you see natural born leaders do. A guy like Matthew Kachuk, for instance. And I don't know. The reason why I'm looking into this so much is I'm trying to figure out what's going on with Johnny Gaudreau. And then, so if you if you follow the progression from last year around that time, what happened, like, it was a few weeks later going to the playoffs, and now you know there's a rift between James Neal and Coach Bill Peters. When that sort of thing happens, it, it affects the entire group, Right? And I don't really know what it's like to play in the NHL, right? But if you don't like your coach and then other players are on that same, follow the same tune. Because right now, if I look at what's wrong with this team right now, they are not playing. They're not playing as a, as a team unit. They're not playing a team game. And it was really reflected hardcore when we played St. Louis. Because those guys are dialed in, they're playing a team game, 
is reflected when we played against Arizona. Those guys are dialed in. They're playing a team game. Like, just take a second and compare our skill level to the Arizona Coyotes. We demolished them in every area. Well, even Dallas. Even Dallas. Like, are you kidding me? So until these guys start playing as a team, and that's why I bring the coaching into it, because that's really the coach's responsibility, is to get the guys to buy in. There's no team buy-in. We got a bunch of individuals showing up on a nightly basis, trying to do too much. Some guys are trying to do too much. Some guys aren't trying to do enough. But regardless, as you're not working as a unit, there's no team buy-in, which is what we saw last year when we got pumped by Pittsburgh. That forced the team to buy in. Maybe we need to get our asses whooped. Well, I don't know. You don't. I don't think you need to. You got to find some way to get a buy-in. But the reason why I bring the Bill Peters thing is that maybe things have gone sour since All-Star break last year. You know, couple that with the whole James Neal thing because you don't know where the players stand with that. Maybe the guys really like James Neal. It seemed like. As much as he didn't contribute on the ice, there was still a cohesion on that team with him on the team. I don't know. Well, see that, like, not necessarily to the coaching thing, but that's kind of tips me off. It's like, because what did you hear with James Neal? Oh, he was not a fit. These irreparable relationships with the coach and the GM. It's like, why does that always seem to happen? Like, you heard about it with, like, Dougie Hamilton. You've heard about it with various players. It's like... Why is that a theme here? What's going on in Calgary that these guys, oh, I just can't repair the relationship. Can't do it. Can't do it. We yeah. can't repair this. Let's go get Milan Lucic. Like, what the, f- like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you listen to Eric Francis. Oh, there is no way James, are you kidding me? There's no way. There's no way. Like, so yeah, I, I mean, I'm not willing to say that I have a, guaranteed hypothesis about that Bill Pe- that there's a rift between Bill Peters and the best players on this team, but I don't know. Maybe. So, to me, that's area number one I look at. And then the second thing is how this team has been managed from going back to last year's trade deadline. Because I've made this argument last year, which was Brad Tree Living, he tried to get, he was in on a lot of deals at deadline, but Look at the results. Didn't do anything. Zero. It doesn't matter if you're sniffing around and you're close. If you don't add to the team, to me, he comes out afterwards and then says, well, I'm showing confidence in this group that we have what it takes. But from my perspective, I'm like, if you were really showing confidence, you show confidence by going out and adding more. You say, look, fuck, we got the right group. Let's go. Let's not. We don't have to go all in here. But I'm showing my confidence in this group by adding. That didn't happen. He had a, he had another opportunity in the off season. Well, that was a huge failure of the off season, and this is it's kind of it kind of got like I don't know if it got overlooked because of like it was like oh he got Kachuk done thank God. It was like he did dick in the off season. Like you said this his three his three moves in the off season were to acquire three Oilers. <laughs> That's it. That's what he did. He did nothing. Have you seen the Oilers' bottom six? Lucic and Reader weren't good enough for that bottom six. But they're good enough for ours? It, it, it's, yeah. I mean, so this is why I bring this point up. Because now, in the offseason, Brad Tree Living didn't add. 
I think he actually made your team worse. He absolutely did. On paper. Now, I don't know how infected James Neal was, how bad it was. I guess, sure. Maybe he goes to Bradtree Living after that series and said, get me out of here. I'm not playing for this team. I don't know. But does that really warrant bringing in Blon Lucic when a guy like you even said yesterday, Andrew Ladd just got put on waivers? Well, Ladd's contract is pretty gross too, but I mean... I feel like the people who give Tree Living a pass for the Lucic thing, the first thing they say is Neil was never going to work in Calgary. It's like, that does that does not excuse you from bringing in a terrible player on a terrible contract. There is no excuse for that. It's, unex- it's inexcusable. Now, obviously, there's a bit of a risk factor involved where you're hoping that Milan Lucic works out, but we have not seen any sort of that. Connor McDavid happened. had more goals last night than he has. He's had as many goals as Lucic has points this year. He had as many assists last night as Lucic has all year. <laughs> he had half the amount of. Lucic has half the. Not the Connor McDavid. McDavid it's just like, had Jesus. more points last night than the bottom six has had all year. It's just. I'm, it's weird because I'm just. I've got the Flames roster up right now. And I'm looking at the three guys near the bottom for Leak, Lucic, Stone, who have a combined two goals. <laughs> And uh, eight points, and we pay them, um, well, for a league 4.3, Luch each 5.25, and Stone a million plus his, a million from his buyout, and then 700K from his new contract. So it's like there's, uh, there's a cool nine mil down the drain. Yep. I mean, so the reason why I bring that up is, again, if you're on the team and you're, you're, General manager says, I believe in this group, I believe in you guys, but yet there is no action to back that up. Do you, as a player, when you're starting the season, obviously you're excited, you got your hopes up, but when you start to run into some adversity early on, you can't help but think like, fuck, I wish we had someone else in this room. Um, And then the other thing on top of that is just the player personnel decisions Right out of the gate. In terms of the roster. I don't know how a reader makes a team over a guy like Dylan Dubé. I have no idea. I don't know why we keep seeing Shillington get sent down in favor of Stone. I don't know why it even took them so long to put Mangiapane on the second line when it's literally like that's what everybody said to do from the second training camp started and it took 15 games and obviously it's been worked out very well. That line's been great. but So it's for all these reasons that maybe a guy like Johnny Gaudreau is like... He's not, I don't know, maybe well, he, maybe it weighs on him. Well, like, you know because, what? Because like, at the end of the day, he's the guy that's responsible for driving the offense on yeah. this team. And if, like, how big of a burden is that mentally when you're not clicking? Exactly. And I mean, I, just to your point further on, like, when the guys, when, oh, I got confidence in you, I'm not going to bring anyone. Any, I remember Jerome McGinley, like, I remember his attitude about this. Like, I remember there's a story about him with, like, when they traded for Craig Conroy and they got Corey Stillman, and Aginla was like, this is fucking bullshit. Like, you're not going to score goals. You're a third-line plug. What are you doing? Well, even Connie tells a story of when, yeah. when he, like, went to meet Jerome in the dressing room. Jerome <laughs> was like, what the fuck? We just traded our leading scorer for you? Who are you? So, I mean, that's probably a very real thing. And, I mean, like, even when, I, to go further on the Aginla comparison, like, I remember Aginla, like, I'm sure he was frustrated with Daryl Sutter's inability or lack of willingness to bring another player in who could help him, like, 
Because Matthew Chuck's a great player, but I mean, like you said, it's really all on Johnny right now, still. He's been here for, what, four years? It's yep. always on Johnny. Well, and you're, It's always on him. And you're seeing it happen in the fan base. Yeah. You, the f- you go on Twitter, and it's like, right now, everybody's pointing to Johnny. Yeah. That like everyone. That he's the problem with the team. And I'm not arguing that he isn't, but... We're not me, arguing that he's been good. He's been... He's not been good. He's not clicking like we've seen Johnny be able to play. Mm-mm. But then I go back to this thing, okay, well, why... And why is there no team buy-in yet? And I don't know. Maybe there is a, a factor of the team that is a little pissed off, in a sense, with the management. Maybe with how Bill treated Neil. I don't know. But it kind of seems like, energetically, they haven't bought in yet to what, what Bill's trying to do. I mean, there's just no team buy-in. No. And I think that's why we're floundering. And so I don't know what it takes to get over that hump. What Like, what... I don't think you need to get your fucking asses kicked no, no. in order to buy into the system because it's the same system. Well, I think that's why every, that's why I think fans are more even frustrated now. It's like you've already had it. Like you've said this a hundred times. It's like you, this is like doing a course the second time over. You should already be clicking. Yeah. Right? Like you've already learned the Bill Peters system. It's the exact same team from last year. What is going on? And I, I feel like I know Bill is probably – coming in with a bit of a different strategy this year based on how he broke down the playoff, the first-round playoff exit. Well, I'd hope so because he got his ass handed to him coaching-wise. So I know he's trying to get people to focus more on defensively and saying, look, don't worry about so much offense. But still, this team is not playing. There's no team buy-in. I mean, you can tell on a nightly basis. When a team takes an entire 20 minutes off and gets outshot, 20 to nothing. Well, that's the thing, too, right? It's like, how many times did we get outshot last year? Like, very seldom. No. It's now not. it's happening every single night. Especially rolling into that all-star break. Oh, when yeah. We were, when we were, like... We were just rolling. We were outshooting teams 2 to 1. Like, On rolling. a nightly basis. And I was just looking at it earlier, and that the only reason I say, kind of like, oh, maybe it's Glenn Gulton syndrome, is I was looking at, like, expected goals versus... Um, like shot attempts and it's like we're, we're we're not generating nearly enough quality chances this year yeah like not enough so i again maybe that's a systems thing like you said he's been focusing on defense and shit but well i mean you look at the teams that are having the most success right now yeah again i use the arizona Coyotes as an example look at the islanders like how much skill do they have right can you name anybody on the bottom six of the new york islanders off off your head I mean, I know Barzell. I know Barzell and, and Everly. I know Everly. Those guys have skill, but. And I know that, like. Can you name one defenseman? Ryan Pollock. That's it. Like, you tell me we don't have, like, three times as much skill as a team like the New York Islanders or a team like the Arizona Coyotes, yet they have. These guys are in the tops of the league because they're playing as a team unit. They have bought into a team game. You can't win with. You can't win unless you're, you're playing a team game. Yeah. So that's why I look at the, maybe these are all reasons why I don't know, and maybe it's all. I mean, the beautiful thing about it is it's not a thirty game season, mm-hmm. it's not a sixty game season, it's an eighty two game season. I would and you hear this is a bit of a cliche, but you want to have these struggles early on. Ideally, we peak we peaked too hot too early last season. Colorado peaked at just the right time, if. That's why I'm not like worried. Yeah. I'm just getting. Con- I am getting concerned though. Well, again, like I said, like that's why it's getting concerning is because no, everyone else is staying just as much. 
you're getting into a point where you're gonna have you're gonna force yourself to go on some kind of a run that another team's not gonna go on because when everybody's kind of sticking around, right? Like we're a quarter into the season and everybody outside of the Kings and the Wild in the West, and I guess the Blackhawks to an extent, are all in the same they're in the same vicinity, right? Yeah. Like the lowest the lowest of those teams is the San Jose Sharks, they have 19 points. The top team is the St. Louis Blues and the Oilers have 28 points. Like there's because that's what you talk about a lot in like playoff races and stuff. It's not even only that you have to take care of your own business. It's that you have to surpass teams. That's where it gets tough. Especially when everybody's good this year. Not good, but everybody's good enough to be hanging around. Everybody gets points. There's so many three-point games. Like you gotta go, You're going to force yourself into having to go on a crazy run later in the year if you don't get it going soon. So I think that's when it's like starting to get concerning. Because it's like, hey, we have to start banking some points sooner than later. Yeah. Because if you get to the end of the season and you're still in kind of the same, in the last third of the season, you're in the same area, kind of like just in and out of a wild card spot with like six other teams, that's tough. And the other reason why it's concerning is that you're 21 games in and you haven't really seen any strides to show that they're solving this issue that's going on. In fact, it just seems like they're, it's almost a habit now setting in where it's one period each game you don't show up and yeah. you get outshot 18 mm-hmm. to 1. Yeah, and then show up in the third for a bit. Sometimes you come back, sometimes you don't. And the last case I'm going to make for this whole, like, maybe maybe guys don't like Bill Peters is how leak has been treated, how Jankowski's been treated. Shillington. Shillington. Dubay. Dubay. And on the flip side, how Reader's been treated. He seems to have his favorites. He's, he seems to play favorites. Right? And even Lucic. Yeah. Like Lucic, again, you're 21 games in. Milan Lucic has zero goals. What does he have? Three assists? Three assists. And he's the extra attacker against the Dallas Stars when you need a goal. You're killing me here. So my point is, is that the players know who should be in those situations. And when the when the coach is making the wrong decisions, it, it doesn't really it doesn't really give the players confidence in the coach. I mean you need to have confidence going both ways. Yeah. The coach needs to feel confidence in the players. The players need to be confident in the coach. Like you tell me that the New York Islanders aren't confident in, in Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz right now. Well there's a perfect example because it's like Okay, there's two sides to an argument like that. It's like you see these kind of like teams that have that year where it's like, well, that was kind of out of the out of the blue. Like, do you attribute the Islanders' success last year to goaltending and goaltending alone? Probably not. They let Leonard go. Like, do you think they would do that lightly? They let a guy who was in the Vesna conversation, they let him go. They let him go. They let him walk. Right. Why? Because they knew that that wasn't, it was a team success. It's because they believe in what Barry Trotz is doing there. Yeah. So, like, there's something to be said for having it. Like, and I don't know, maybe we'll have to do this if this becomes a thing. Maybe this hypothesis is proven to be accurate. I mean, Bill had four years in Carolina. He missed the playoffs every single year. Now, I know they had goaltending issues because as a team... They had had goaltending issues, yeah. I feel like they had a pretty decent team buy-in over there. Yep. 
but they, they, by by all standards, like you remember this, if you're an analytics person, they were always like the team. This is the year the Hurricanes are going to be good because all their underlying numbers are good. But I, they had more, poor goaltending. But I mean, still, they fired him. I don't know. But then you look at I don't. It's really confusing. He had some spats with with players there. Like everybody remembers the famous Eddie Lack incident where he completely ripped Eddie Lack to shreds in the media. So I don't know. All I know is last year, Bill was in the the Jack Adams conversation with what how much of a turnaround this team had yeah. and how many guys had breakout seasons. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everybody was feeling good, but maybe when shit got tough near the All Star break, maybe that changed. I don't know. Who knows? Because if you look at how he's managed. He's managed his team very questionably to me this year. 100%. And if we're noticing it, noticing it, obviously the players are too. So, and I don't want to sit here and say, okay, maybe Bill Peters is the issue. The reason why I don't is because this would be the third coach in a row that the first year the team makes the playoffs and the second year they miss and yeah. then you replace the coach. So that pattern shows me that it's hard to pin on the coaching you have to look to the core group. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe So maybe it is the core group. And maybe the core group, when they get disinterested with a coach, they can't figure out how to get past it. I don't know. Or maybe it, the coaching thing isn't even a thing at all. I'm just throwing out. We're trying to figure out what's wrong with the team. I'm trying to figure it That's out. That's an idea. That's a hypothesis. That's where I'm. my intuition is telling me to look. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's somewhere, it's a place nobody has really gone yet. Because on the fan nine sixty, they don't talk about important things anymore. They just dick around and talk about. I came back from Canmore today, put on the fan nine sixty, and I literally can't stand it anymore. It's just pure fluff. It's filler. That's you, all it is. You know what they're gonna talk about. You know what they're gonna say. You're never like surprised by a take. You're never, you never get any analysis that's outside. The, it's just. Same old shit. And I'm f- I've, I've had it with the fan. Like, get somebody on there who gives me something valuable in terms of information. Get somebody on there who has an opinion. Talk about something that's interesting. Talk about things that are relevant. Fucking do something on there. God, it's bad. Well, it's it's starting to become like just, you know, like a, like a news news. Yeah, outlet that it's, that just spews the same story, same the shit. same rhetoric. I mean, and the case in point is like what happened with Don Cherry. Yeah, you tell me there's one person on Sportsnet that had anything good to say about Don Cherry after all that went down. Just tell me there's one person on the Fan 960 who has any kind of balls to say what they think about it for real, other than just toe the company line and be like, <laughs> and it's not even like they have to have the balls where they're. It's not even like they have to have the balls where they're risking their job. They can have the balls and just do it in a smart way, right? Where it's just like. Are you telling me 100% of the listeners agree with the firing of Don Cherry? If anything, it's the opposite. And the only thing I heard about it was Pinder going off on how people need to know the difference between free speech and hate speech. And if that's hate speech, then we're in for trouble here because... Sorry, Ryan. I reject your hypothesis. I I hate to tell you this. There's no such thing. And if, and if that's what the dissemination happened from the top brass of Sportsnet down to all, the, all the anchors and all the people on the radio, that that was hate speech, 
Like, what the fuck is that? Well, and here's what's happening with, with it's traditional media, man. They're eating themselves because we can sit here with a laptop and a microphone and talk to just as many people about way more important issues with no fucking ads, with no bullshit. We can actually espouse our opinion on here. You guys can ask us questions. It's like, I don't even, like, it's it's dying and they don't even see that what they're doing to mitigate the death is speeding it up. Like, the way they go about not having any opinions, not bringing on anybody with <laughs> any talent, like, doing things in such an old-fashioned way, like, they think that it's help. They think that it's going to curb the death when really it's just going to expedite it. Like, right. you think the Fan 960 is going to be around in five years? I guarantee it isn't. No. And then in a situation like that with the Don Cherry Hole incident, I mean, it's a very controversial subject. So to have everybody that represents the company be on one side of the controversy. It's absurd. And it just goes to prove that point. Exactly. If like now people can see through that. It's yeah, and, and then and then that's why it's fluff. Exactly, you're not getting any real analysis. Yeah, it's just none of those reporters. You have Brad Tree Living come on in the off season. He's done dick all. The only thing that he's done is fucking bring in Milan Lucic, one of the worst. You just did your your fucking Pacific Division rival, biggest rival of all time. Like, is that the biggest favor that you've seen in the last 20, 30 years? Yes, Ken Holland, like like how bent him over when that. When that fucking deal was done, how hard do you think they were celebrating? In still, how hard do you think the Edmonton manager? Can you was imagine Ken Holland after hanging up that phone and what that boardroom was like? Are you telling me he didn't fucking erupt in all sorts oh of like emotions, God. laughter, disbelief, shock, happiness, elation, optimism, just everything? Finally. Anyways, yeah, they have him on the fan after all this shit. And, and took, what do they ask him about? It took all they is this laptop, laptop, yeah. just like toying around. Hey, how's your golf? How's game your going? summer? Oh, do you blah, like blah, pizza blah. with mushrooms? I like pizza with pineapple. Hey, Brad. Literally, we we sat here in the office and listened to that interview, and it was pat. It took over ten minutes to ask a hockey question. To ask a hockey, not question. even a pertinent one. So what? What is the media doing? There's, they're not doing anything. There is no accountability. There's nothing. Outside of Jermaine Franklin. Who's the only guy who has any... I don't even know if it's balls. He's the only guy who seems to be a legitimate journalist in the, like, kind of, like, Calgary media at large. Because... You, you might say Eric Francis might, but he, he's, he's so just an idiot. out to left field on, yeah. on his takes that it's just, like, it doesn't even matter if he asks, it, like, a hard question. Yeah, he asks the hard questions that are, like... What the fuck are you talking about, Eric? That's not even a question. Yeah. Anyways, ranting. Ranting about the fan. Well, it is frustrating, well, though. Like, you're going to do it. I mean, it's not even the fan. Like, I think it's the Calgary media in general. Like, because even if you go to, like, Vancouver, like, there's some pretty good journalists out there. There's some pretty good hockey analysts out there. Like, Toronto, like, there's tons of people in Toronto. Like, Calgary is, like... I don't even. It's I don't, like, I don't even is, know why I'm mad. It's just kind of like. Well, you go through the list of guys that are on the fan. Yeah. And they're just when you listen to them on the radio, it's just like they're like, <laughs> they're just like happy to be on the air. Yeah, like I don't get it. Like, you get paid to do that. Like, I don't, I, I just don't understand. But like they're not actually doing real work. They're doing nothing. Like, can you imagine like if somebody said, "Hey, Jordan, I'll pay you to host a show about the Flames." 
Can you imagine how, if you had resources and were actually getting paid to do it, how good that shit would be? How good your content would be? Like how deep your analysis would get? Right? Instead, it's just like, like well, what is that? You And just even looking more analytics, like we've been toying, toying with this idea of creating a website where you can get just analytics based on all the Calgary Flames team. Yeah. Broken down on every angle, but... Because the level of analysis... Well, and meanwhile, you're texting in, tell that story. Oh, yeah. Well, Klein, I don't know what he was talking about. I think this is like a few months ago. So Klein, who was on the morning show, who like I used to actually not mind, but he's kind of just turned into another like Rogers fucking... He's annoying too. Yeah, it's just like... He's, he's a guy, he's on the radio. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, happy, I'm just happy to be at the rink. I'm not here to do any like hard-nosed work. No work. I mean, he was going on and on about how the Flames sucked last year at getting shots close to the net, like in the slot. He was talking, oh, I don't remember why. Because he was talking about why Lucic should, why Lucic is a good addition on the team or something. Because he's in the he's in, in net front presence, something the Flames lacked last year. If you look up any analytics site that tracks like slot shots, the Flames are literally like second in the league behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know if it was second, it might have been third. So I text in and I'm like, dude, like, you know they were like one of the top teams at generating chances from the slot last year. He just like, oh, somebody, oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know where you're getting your stats from. I guess I don't know anything. It's like, yeah, you, you don't. don't. You don't. So it's like, I don't. Even, I think this is why it's frustrating because I don't think they have this problem in Toronto or and things like that where there's so much content specifically about your team that you can just kind of like you can have your share on the market, right? The market is pretty much pretty one-dimensional in Calgary. Like, there's some good blogs and stuff, but, I mean, is there really any place you can go where you can get, like, real Flames analysis with real opinions, especially when it's home of the Calgary Flames? Like, I don't understand this. The fan, the Rogers brand has, do they have three stations in Canada? One in Vancouver, one in Calgary, one in Toronto. It should be fucking top-notch Calgary Flames coverage, Calgary sports coverage, and it's not. It's terrible. 80% of the time... Those guys are talking about food. Like, I would say 90% in the morning. Or it's, just total bullshit. You got Troy Brower on there in the morning. Troy Brower. Do you remember Troy Brower? Pretty much the most hated flame of all time. Do you think they asked him, like, any questions that would give any analysis or any insight to a fan? Nothing. They've got Mike Commodore there. They've got Corey Sarich there now. They've got, like, they've got all these guys who, A, should be talking about hogging themselves... But B, who they could be asking good questions to. Yeah. Like, hey, Mike, or what do you think about Bill Peters? Like, do you think this is a valid thing? Do the players like Bill Peters? No. It's, hey, Mike, want to wear this goat mask and talk about fucking burgers for three hours? It's just fucking horse shit. And it really bugs me. Anyways. Well, the reason why it's so bothersome is, like, where is the accountability on this management team? Right? Like, you don't see it. Are you kidding me? Like, you just like, got a three-year deal. How does Brad Tree Living not get fucking grilled for bringing in Milan Lucic? How does he not get grilled for anything he's done in the past two years? Like, it's literally just like a big wank fest whenever the media is in there. Nobody asks any questions. It's really annoying. Like, isn't that the point as a journalist? Like, I don't understand. Like, don't you ask hard questions and find out valuable information and relay it to the public? No, it's like it's a little club. Like you said, it's a wank fest. They just don't want to get in the bad books of Brad Tree Living, so they can't have them on their show. Well, and or and get a ratings bump, and or toe just toe the company line. Yeah, 
Like, don't, you can't speak anything on the other side of the Don Cherry thing. Well, and that's, okay, so here's one of the, exactly, that's one of the more frustrating things about The Athletic right now, because I really like a lot of what The Athletic does. They do a lot of, like, analytical breakdown stuff like that. I don't know, maybe I'm just, like, looking for them to stir up controversy where there is none, but it would be nice if somebody would say, when they have Bradshaw living in an interview, say... Okay, like, why did you just acquire a Milan? Why don't? Why has nobody asked Brad Living about the ex- Milan Lucic's contract in relation to the implications for the expansion draft? Like, why does nobody ask that? I, I want to know what Brad Living actually says about that. Because it's a hard question. Like, why? That's a pretty like. I don't understand this lack of hard questions. Like, even when you hear them in the scrums afterwards, talking to Bill Peters, like sometimes Jermaine or Kristen Anderson will like maybe like barely 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 like poke under the surface just like a smidge Jermaine usually does that yeah Yeah, Jermaine's he's usually pretty good for it but they'll like they'll they'll ask a little bit like I remember even Kristen Anderson was asking a question the other day pretty much she was saying what the fuck's wrong with your team but it took her like 28 minutes to get it out because she was just like tiptoeing around it she was like oh so uh do you like your team to um um is your team what and Bill's like Bill pretty much is like what are you asking yeah. And she's like, uh, what would you uh, improve about your team? It's like, ask some fucking hard questions. Somebody. Right? Like, literally, why can't you just be like, Bill, what's wrong with Johnny Gaudreau? Just say it. And based on that answer, say, have you talked to him? How's your relationship with Johnny Gaudreau? Right? Like, like if you have some sort of... If, if you're sitting, like, in my position where you're trying to figure out what's wrong... like. If you're not trying to figure out what's wrong with the team as a journalist... Why do you have a job? What are you even doing? Right? Like, I get the place for, like, pieces where it's a human interest piece, stuff like that. But that's why it's, like, it's fluff. It's fluff. At the end of the day. It's one thing to have content, like, good, solid, what would you even call it? A foundation and the occasional fluff piece. I like the occasional fluff piece. Yeah. But, I mean, even, like, when... Like, I don't know. We're just... I think there's... But when the fluff completely replaces everything that we're just discussing... Like... Do you ever get, I don't know, it's just really annoying me. I don't get it. Especially in the age of, like, media today where, I don't know, maybe it's worse now. You can't ask hard questions because you're so, you have to stay, you can't say anything outside the company lines because you have to secure your job or you're fired or whatever. But but then it's just like you, you, that's why the best people, you see, it's the same in anything. They know how to dance on the line. Yeah. It's just, I don't understand. Like, guaranteed you go to the Toronto media they will ask Mike Babcock straight up questions. 100%. Guarantee you go to Vancouver media. They'll ask hard questions. I don't see many hard questions ever being... Not even hard questions. Just questions that we as fans, like, I would like to know the answer to. Yeah. Like, instead even, of what's your favorite fucking ice cream. Exactly. Like, it's so fucking frustrating. And I, All right. I, uh, yeah. All right. Dallas. Oh, man. What'd you think of the game? Obviously, the second period is one of those periods. Yeah. Where it's just like, what are you guys doing? I didn't turn it on until the second, but it's like, again, like you were saying this earlier about like this being, what did you say about, not a slippery slope, but it's like a pattern kind of developing. A pattern is developing. And it's like redeveloping in my mind because how many times have we said last year we still had Glenn Galton PTSD and we're like, fuck, game over. But I like checked my phone. It was one nothing Dallas. I was like, here we go again. And it's exactly what happened. They like, sucked in the second. They played. They started to play a little bit in the third, but like, you can't just show up in the third and expect to win. I'd like to see a stat. I know it's out there. I haven't done my work. 
after just lecturing about journalists doing their work, but I'm <laughs> not, not journalists. We're, we're not paid. professionals here. We're doing this as a hobby. How much time have we spent trailing this year? Yeah, so somebody's got it out there, and we've seen it before. We are definitely near the top in the league. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull it up here. Because I know, um, I think it might have been Darren Haynes. He texted something like, how many, how many games have the Flames won now where they've trailed for zero minutes? Or sorry, led for zero minutes. So they've had these comeback games where they've led for zero minutes. They've actually won games... A handful of games now where they've, they've led for zero minutes. Calgary Flames currently lead the league oh. in time trailing. Big surprise. Season. Very top of the list. Number one. Number one. Here's number two, three, and four, and five. Detroit, Minnesota, L.A., and Ottawa. What do those guys all have in common? They suck ass. They literally suck ass. They're the worst teams in the league. So the f- that's alarming. That is alarming. Who's at the top of the list? Who's at the top of the list for not trailing? Uh, St. Louis, the Islanders, the Boston Bruins, even the Lightning, the Capitals, the Coyotes, teams that are kind of doing doing okay this year. Man, I don't know. I am concerned. It's a problem. It's a major problem. I'm not worried yet, but I'm not going to beat around the bush and say it's all good. 20 games, it's still early. Yeah. We've seen some concerning patterns start to develop here. Yeah, and I, that's why I'm trying to dig beneath the surface and figure what the fuck is going on. You have pretty much the same team. Yeah. How how do you not have a good system running? Like, well, yeah, like just to look at some of their underlying metrics, like the shot rates have been okay. The PDO, so that's essentially a metric of how unlucky you are. We've been pretty unlucky. Like our shooting percentage, specifically with our top players, shooting percentage has been shit. Well, you know the biggest way to to turn luck onto your side. Hard work. Simplify the game and work hard. And they don't seem to be able to do that. They sure don't. So I'm not surprised they're in an unlucky stat as far as categories. Our expected goal rate is pretty meh. It's just kind of like dull. It's kind of like, yeah, we're kind of getting some shots on net, but we're not getting a ton of high-quality chances. Now my, I just just don't know, man. There's there's definitely some an element of being unlucky, but if you watch the games, we're taking periods off too. That's very concerning. My my prediction is we will still make the playoffs because if you look at who we have in the dressing room, we have all the right tools, yeah, including leadership. You have the leaders re- required necessary in order to get through whatever you're going through. Now, but maybe there needs to be a fucking face to face with Bill Peters. I don't know. There's got to be and maybe something. I'm just maybe they need a maybe they need a train trip through Montreal and crack open some beers yeah, that's what they need and maybe i'm reading too much into it but i feel like there's a there's a weird funk between bill peters and the team if i'm just like if i'm looking at this yeah i don't know but like really what it comes down to is your top line i'm looking at a chart on money puck right now which just shows expected goals on versus off the ice the only players in terms of expected goal differential the flames are better without Without the team is better, better. Yep. At generating goals and preventing goals, when Monahan's not on the ice, when Gaudreau's not on the ice, when Lindholm's not on the ice, and there's Hannafin and Hamannick and Froelich. Those guys need to. Those they need like that's the, if those guys turn it around, I think we're good. Yep. Don't you think so? Yeah. Because the Manjapani Kachuk back in line has looked so dangerous. I mean, 
I've I haven't minded what I've seen from That's that third line. Unbelievable! Isn't that statistic. unreal? You better post that on Instagram. I'm going to. The Flames are have been better in terms of expected goals without their top line. That's insane. That is insane. It's not even that they're bad. They're better without. Okay, so back to back, Arizona and Vegas. Vegas has been struggling. Vegas has been lost four straight. I think going into this, everybody's like, oh, Vegas, Vegas. you got to play Riddick and Vegas. They're the better team. But I think Arizona is actually the better team currently. Yeah. Vegas has been losing games at home. I think I think Riddick's supposed to get the start tomorrow, right? I haven't heard it confirmed, but I think he is projected. Let's I just would. take it quickly. That's what I would do. You have to win tomorrow. Yeah. You fucking have to win tomorrow. You, do. you can't lose tomorrow. You can't lose tomorrow. Riddick's unconfirmed, but expected, I guess, right now. But, like... You can't lose tomorrow. Because if you lose tomorrow, you're putting yourself where you ha- in a situation where you have to win in Vegas. And we suck in Vegas. And you're probably I mean, going to play Talbot in Vegas. I'm so. going to say this again, but I'm getting sick of saying this. We need to see one of their best efforts yeah. next game. But I'm sick of saying that every single game. Well, I and, mean, that, and that doesn't happen. I think that's what's so frustrating is like it's it's one step forward, two step back. Well, right? and like I said last week, is like, sure, we've seen the most complete game. We've seen the most complete games of the season twice. Yeah. Against Detroit. Crappy ass teams. And New Jersey. Yeah. Two of the worst teams in the league. Totally. So that I don't know. It doesn't really say much for me. No, we me haven't either. really seen much of a complete game. I mean, they were okay against St. Louis, but They were okay, but they really didn't play until the third, you know? So like, do we have to trail every single game? Yeah, it sure be nice. Like as a fan, it'd be nice to fucking have a lead. Start having leads. Well, I mean, it doesn't even play into their game. Like, Jesus, I don't know. And then the other thing that's concerning is the times they've had the leads. I'm thinking of the uh, the Winnipeg game and the Columbus game. And there was the other... What was the other game? Were they up? Carolina. Carolina. They've sat on it. A one-goal lead. They've sat on it. Like, sat back hard. So you're seeing them either trail and have to scramble in the third to come back or get the lead and sit on it. Like, what is that? A part of it is just like... They're, they're not even. It's more than wait. They're, they're letting other teams dictate the game. Yeah, exactly. They're not, they're not enforcing their game plan on. And I think that's one of the things we've seen this year, right? Like, cause last year that's what was so refreshing. It was like this team does what it does very well. Yep. Moves the puck, scores goals. Their top line flies through the neutral zone, and they just impose their will on other teams. It seems ever since maybe the All Star break. Probably more so the playoff series. It's just they're so passive. Yeah. They're just letting it happen. I don't know. Well, I mean, I watched the first period of Edmonton and the Avalanche last night. Very first shift of the game. McKinnon's fucking doing McKinnon things. He peels back on the half boards to make a delay. Cassian absolutely steamrolls him. I hate Cassian. And then you look back as like, how many times did he even get hit? Did anybody even touch him? No, no. Not until game five when fucking everybody quit already. It's a great point. Anyways, you got the guilt and the. You got to. Anyways, you gotta, today's, today's been all about what's wrong with this team. Yeah. Let us know. Like, we want. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, like, I'll post some stuff to Instagram. I've been kind of quiet on there just because I've been a little annoyed. Well, I haven't been able to go around Twitter because yeah. the whole Don Cherry thing. It's like the amount of fucking it's hate on fucking there. It's fucking minefield. It, it makes me sick just to read how fucking. Just people spewing hate about Don Twitter, Cherry. I, I don't know if Instagram's a little different, but Twitter is just it's a not fucking much, cesspool. It's not much different, but... Twitter is a cesspool. It is. I don't understand it how people... It is a fucking cesspool. ...can go on there 
Like, I was on there a little bit after the Don Cherry thing. Just, I don't know. I was fucking bored and had nothing else to do. And it's like, you it's a cesspool. It is. That's what it is. It's a minefield of shit. And it's just like, you want to you wanna see what hate speech looks like. Right? Just go on Twitter. You fucking asshole. Oh, it's just you made a You made, like, one tweet that was like, Don Cherry did a lot for hockey. And there was, yeah. like, this dickhead. He's like, fuck you! It was basically... You know, me growing up, the influence he had is on me as a hockey player, and yeah. all, all my friends growing up, you know, on hockey, when I, in my generation, the guy was well-respected. And still, it should be, like, I think that... And I so, think, I mean, for what he contributed to the game, that's all I was well, and pointing I, I, out, trying to keep all politics out of it. Yeah, you can't anymore. But the thing that was interesting, I was watching some of his interviews yesterday that he's done since he was fired... And he makes a good point because he was like, I did two minutes on Max Domi's book, which is all about going towards diabetes, raise awareness for that. Did two minutes on that. Did a segment on two young hockey players who were killed in various accidents, whatever he didn't get into it. Always do He's always done stuff like that. Always. So like, you can't just like be like... Well, and the, and the thing is, is it's like... If nobody you, mentions that part of it. Here's the thing. We talked about this. Nobody's listening to what he's trying to say. No. They're just listening to the words he used to say what he was trying to say. Anyways, well, it's just Twitter. Twitter's a... The grander point is Twitter's I, I a get it. You can't say what he said. I don't agree with the words he used, obviously. No, me either. But at the same time, it's like, how fucking weak have we become? It's. I don't even know if it's weak. It's just like, I think it's more nefarious than that. And you know what? We're, we have nothing to lose on this podcast, so we can talk about it. I think it's more nefarious than that. Because I don't think it's just people are being sensitive. I think people, I don't think, this is like, it's, like, you think it's just because people are offended that they wanted him out, out of there? No, it's because he represents to them something that fundamentally they don't agree with. They think they're projecting this ideology onto, right? It's ideology. It's not just reacting to something and being like, that was inappropriate and I'm offended. Yeah. It's all framed within this ideology of being a racist. Right. Of being a hateful, he's promoting hate speech. It, it like it goes deeper than just well, somebody being offended, and, and it's way why, more nefarious. And that's why I'm like, when have we lost the ability to communicate properly? Because if you try, if you just sit back, let's let's say you're having a conversation with someone at a coffee shop, yeah, and let's say it's Don Cherry, and he said what he said, and you say, Don, wow, like I, I you're coming across using these really strong words, it, like I, but I think I get what you're trying to say. That's not hate. No. What he was doing was, like, he had so much respect and passion and love for the armed forces. That's where he was coming from. And again, I don't like from- when Don does that. I don't like when he brings politics into it. That's his thing. I don't like when anybody does it. Yeah. But the fact that there has been this backlash, this reaction specifically, it's, it makes it utterly transparent that it's not just because some people are offended. It seems to be a very small minority group who has a very specific ideology and who wants to promote their ideology and wants to pers- label anybody who might say, hey, what Don Cherry said is not too bad as a racist, as a xenophobe, as a whatever the fuck you want to say. Yep. Well, it's true. If I... If if they're I, using it as a tool. It's true. Because if I even say what I just said, I'm now labeled a racist. If you and me right now were talking on some sort of public thing right now, just about this, just discussing... What he said. Yeah. We'd be fucked. Oh, yeah. 100%. We would be like bigot, racist, xenophobe, homophobe, transphobe. 
And that's why that's why it bugs me. I think even more because when like, it's, like, it's like for what? Yeah, for having a discussion. Yeah, why can't we you discuss can't things anymore? And that's why that's why it's so fucking nefarious because they don't want you to be able to discuss. They want you to think that anything you say that's offensive is somehow hate speech because that way you can't discuss ideas and that way you can't do anything in society. I don't. You have to only conform to this very strict ideologically driven language that some arbitrary person has decided is the only way we're allowed to speak, the only way we're allowed to think, the only way we're allowed to live our lives is within these boundaries. I don't see how we're going to move forward as a human species without the ability to communicate anymore. And I haven't, I have not followed Cherry in the last three, five years. Me either. I never watch, ever. So apparently that wasn't the first time you said something outlandish, but I don't find that hateful. The hate that I saw was how he got attacked. That's hate. Well, see, and that, exactly, that shows you. That's the litmus test for is this actually something that is an offensive act? Or is there something more nefarious going on under the surface? Is this ideologically driven? Because if it was just like, hey, that was a really shitty thing to say. There wouldn't be this vicious, vitriolic attack. Yep. On Don Cherry, it'd be like you said something really stupid. Well, that's and that's my point. Of, like you can't, we there's no conversations anymore. No, it's it's either you're a racist or you're or you're correct or some shit. I don't even know. All right, All well, right. sorry if you don't want to listen to this last part, you don't have to. How we're done now, but yeah. if we made it this far. I don't but know how we got on that. Gun. That's you know we've said this before. It's just like this is why we love sports so much. Is because. It's, it's free of all this shit. It's supposed to be a place you can go to where there's no politics. Yeah. The only people you dislike are Vancouver Canucks fans and fucking Edmonton Oilers fans. We should mention also TJ Brody. Like, I guess the last update um, is that he's he's not on the road trip. It sounds like everything's but okay. But he's okay. I listened to the, the the thing today where they just... Based, I'm sure everybody listening to this already knows. Yeah. Um it was more so not probably more likely than not not a neurological thing. Yeah, they said it was more like maybe like dehydration or yeah. some shit like that. It was more of a fainting, fainting episode, episode, which is definitely less severe. It's more yeah. more biological than it is neuro- neurological or whatever. So yeah. I think you'll be okay. Yeah, and sounds like so. Yeah, he'll. I hope he's okay. So rest up there, TJ. And just in terms of the implications roster wise, they've recalled Chillington. Um, they've placed Valimaki. On IT, LTIR, which I thought he already was. Yeah, that's it too. Um, but Zarnik's there as well. So, oh, I understand. Okay, so Steinberg says the team already dipped into LTIR. They're now getting the full credit on Valimaki's cap hit. So, um, okay. yeah, Shillington up. Those two guys on LTIR. So hopefully Birdie's back soon. All right. Final thought. What do you need to see this weekend? I think, the like, I just want to see some signs of Johnny Gaudreau being a, an effective hockey player. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't I was, even know. I was gonna say pretty much the same thing. I just want to see Johnny Gaudreau be Johnny Hockey, because right now he's not. He's not Johnny Hockey. No, he's Johnny Mopey. <laughs> <laughs>